new upgrades, a new wind tunnel, and a massive turnaround mid-season. This week, I'm talking all about McLaren's mid-season jump as they battle at the top of the field. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah, and this week, we're talking all about McLaren. There's no race this week as F1 have taken a break with the European season being over with, so I thought I'd have a bit of a dive into what McLaren have done to turn their team around mid-season. Because, let's be honest here, right? That sort of leap is a season-to-season thing, so I'm going to go through what the upgrades were that were a huge help to McLaren's season, some of the personnel changes they've had, and the new facilities McLaren are developing and opening to help their F1 team. So let's get into it. I think for us to really understand the sort of feat that McLaren have managed to achieve, we have to look back at them in 2022, when those new error regulations came into play and it was just pretty clear to see that they hadn't nailed them. They had 44 race starts between both of their drivers, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo in 2022, and of those 44 starts, they managed to score points 24 times, which is about 55% of the time. Not awful, don't get me wrong, there are teams doing much, much worse on the grid, but a team like McLaren, which has such a rich sporting history, especially in F1, were definitely hoping for more with these regulation changes. 159 points at the end of 2022 and finishing 5th in the Constructors with only a single podium to their name. And then we fast forward now into 2023 and the beginning of this year was not looking any better for them. Quite simply, it was a bit of a nightmare. They had a new driver in Oscar Piastri joining McLaren after they'd opted to drop Daniel Ricciardo from their lineup. And in the first eight races of the season, they only managed to score points in three of them. Their biggest points haul from those eight races came from Australia, where they scored 12 points. But I think even McLaren would admit that they benefited from a pretty chaotic race that had quite a couple of DNFs. So it was a sad start to the season for them. And we were hearing talk of them bringing a new upgrade package during the European season. And we'd heard rumours about how it was going to make them quite competitive. And I don't know about you guys, but in general, I'm not someone that puts a lot of stock into rumours. I try and take them with a pinch of salt, especially in Formula 1. There's always some kind of rumour being batted around, and 99% of the time, they come to nothing. But I did think, okay, maybe McLaren would make a little bit of improvement with whatever upgrades they were bringing. But absolutely nothing. Like, they ended up showing us at Austria when that new upgrade package came onto Lando Norris's car. But before I go into what their season has been like since Austria, let's have a look at what upgrades the McLaren had bolted onto the car that have made such a huge difference to their season. So we saw a change in the shape and position of their floor fences. The side pod inlet had been changed and it started to become closer to what Red Bulls looked like. There were also changes to the forward portion of the side pod and the overall shape of the side pods. 
So on the upper surface of those side pods, McLaren went for a deeper dip that almost looked like a water slide. And it was kind of similar to what we were seeing Aston Martin and Alpine doing that seemed to be working at least for Aston Martin. And what this should do, this bigger dip, is push the dirty air that's coming off the tyres far away from the car so that the aero components have clean air to work in. It doesn't have turbulent air messing up what they want those aero components to do. The water slide sort of shape that McLaren have going on should cause the air to be pushed towards the diffuser and the beam wing at the rear of the car and that should help create more downforce. The side pods also have more of an undercut now, which should help keep the clean air attached to the car and shouldn't just be going elsewhere. The aerodynamic fairing around the halo had changed. The floor edge had had a massive visible change. The MCL60 used to have a cutout and flap configuration on their floor edge, but this new update completely removed that. You could not see that sort of geometry on their floor edge. There were also some changes to the front wing, some parts which followed a bit more of the Mercedes philosophy. And of course, there is absolutely no doubt that there must have been massive changes to the floor of the MCL60 since that is going to be a huge determining factor in the amount of downforce that a car can create, but that probably isn't going to be something that McLaren are willingly going to want to show anyone. So you can tell that McLaren changed a lot of pieces on the MCL60 compared to what they unveiled and then ran during testing in Bahrain. Actually, they changed so much to this car that Andrea Stella, the team principal, had said that pretty much every single aerodynamic component on the car had been redesigned since the initial car launch. So the workers at the MTC have definitely been busy since the season start. The team had basically realised at the start of the year that this was not going to be a car that performed well throughout the season, a conclusion that Mercedes had also come to with their own car. So McLaren went away and started to redesign the components that they knew weren't working for them, namely pretty much all of them. It isn't a small job to do, which is why it took them a little while to actually get the new parts onto the car, because they were basically redesigning the vast majority of it. And as quick as these upgrades have made the MCL60, there are still some things that McLaren are working on in areas where the car isn't performing up to standard. And one of those things is the car's general aero efficiency. When it's been heading to some circuits, this new and improved MCL60 is just too draggy and they aren't able to get the full advantage of the new upgrade package. Spa was definitely a circuit where the team just struggled and they weren't happy with the performance. And it is something that the team will continue to work on, but that is also something that they have time to work on. The car baseline for McLaren right now is exceptionally good, especially when you compare that to the beginning of the season and it is a great launching point for their 2024 car. This year with this car coming in mid-season is a great time for them just to be able to learn what this car can do, what its limitations are, how to optimise it. Issues like having too much of a draggy car is something that they can really sort out now over the coming months. But if we look at how McLaren's season has been so far, it's just been such a huge turnaround for them. It's absolutely insane to me. So like I said, first eight races of the season, they only managed to score points in three of them, which is 
crazy. Not even half of the races at the beginning of the season were they scoring points in. And if we go to Austria, where we saw this new upgrade be bolted onto only Lando Norris's car at this point, they didn't have enough parts for Oscar right now because those upgrades had come in earlier. Lando managed to qualify in fourth, finish in fourth, and take 12 points home. We then headed out to Silverstone, where Oscar also had those upgrades on, and they went away with a total of 30 points from the British Grand Prix. 18 points for Lando Norris, who got a podium, 12 points for Oscar Piastri, who finished in fourth. An absolutely amazing show from both of the drivers. Hungary was amazing for them, again, 28 points. And then it was around Belgium that we saw some issues with the MCL 16, nothing compared to before you could see where the issues were coming from. Lando Norris started in 7th, finished in 7th with 6 points. Oscar Piastri did end up retiring from this race, which obviously limited the number of points they could take away from it, but he did manage a podium position during the Spa Sprint race. The Dutch Grand Prix wasn't a great show for them again. 7th place and 9th place with 8 points. And then Italy, which once again was a lot like Spa in that their car is quite draggy, so it doesn't perform as well. Lando Norris finished in 8th with 4 points. Oscar Piastri finished in 12th, but he did have contact with Lewis Hamilton that I think hampered his race and the points that he could bring home, and also then had a 5-second time penalty later on. Monza, I think, could have been better for them. One, if Oscar Piastri obviously didn't have that contact in the middle of the race with Lewis. And two, because McLaren, after coming out of Spa, knew they had an issue with a draggy car. And it was something that they were trying to pinpoint and trying to figure out and optimise their sort of low downforce package. So I think they already started doing work on that. So tracks like Italy wouldn't catch them out as much as what Spa had done. But it just isn't exactly there yet. It's still something that they're working on. And like I said, they've got time to work on it. I think the car will be even stronger than what we're seeing now in 2024. But it isn't just a wave of upgrades to their car that have been helping the team out. It's the upgrades to their facilities that have started to make a difference. And I have no doubt that they're going to have a bigger impact as time goes on. Lando Norris had mentioned in an interview he'd done that their facilities at McLaren were one area where they were behind and that compared to other teams, their facilities really just weren't up to date. Let's just start with the McLaren wind tunnel and the fact that it isn't even in Britain. Nope. When McLaren want to test anything that they've developed, either in pre-season when there's a whole new car they want to test out or just parts for an upgrade as the season goes on, they go to Cologne in Germany, where they rent out their wind tunnel from Toyota. So you could probably see why a new wind tunnel, one that doesn't require a flight to get to, would be a huge benefit to McLaren. Logistically, it is great for team members not having to travel that far to test out car components. And there are also the costs that are associated with a wind tunnel. It was not cheap for McLaren to rent out that wind tunnel from Toyota and Andrea Stahler said in the long run they'll be saving money by having their own and that's money that they can invest elsewhere on the team in areas that they think really need it. But it isn't just the wind tunnel that they are getting built right now. There are facilities that they are upgrading. A new simulator is coming in and a new manufacturing infrastructure. And honestly, I sat there and wondered when I read all this why it's taken so long to get this sorted. 
especially the areas like a simulator being up to date and a wind tunnel being in the country where you're designing and manufacturing your car. Because we've all, I think, you'd about the dire state that some of the Williams facilities are in with things being 20 years out of date. But they're a team that struggle to reach the cost cap that don't get the same cash injections that some of the other bigger teams like McLaren do on the grid. But McLaren really needed to be in a super healthy position financially to do this and also have people who had the vision to want to change those areas. And they've got that right now. These plans were put in place by Andreas Seidel before he left the team at the end of last year. And McLaren are bringing in plenty of big sponsors that bring in big money. We've seen Google and Android sponsorships on their car. And Zach Brown is a businessman through and through. So when I sit and really logically think about this, I can see why it might have taken them a little while to get to this stage. And I am sure McLaren at this point are just glad they're finally getting some of these much needed upgrades to their facilities. Zach Brown has mentioned that there aren't any big holes that the team need to fix now, that the infrastructure is being sorted, and it should mean at this point they can now focus on working towards championships. But he doesn't think the team are going to be seeing the full benefit of everything that they've improved and invested in and built until 2025. And that makes sense since they're going to be optimising the way that things work, and that can take a little bit of time to sort out. On top of that, the 2024 car was already being worked on while all this was in progress. So it's really going to be 2025 that we should see whether or not the new wind tunnel, simulator and facilities are really going to help them out and improve their chances. So we've spoken about car upgrades, we've spoken about facility upgrades and of course there have also been some changes to the McLaren personnel. And I'm going to go through these now, but a lot like the facilities, I think their change in personnel is definitely going to be something that will take some time for us to really see the effect of, especially since I think at least one of the people that I mentioned won't even be starting with McLaren until January for the new 2024 season. There are a good couple of changes that McLaren have made in this area though. The most obvious one and the one I think that we see the most of has to be Andreas Seidel who was the team principal at McLaren before leaving at the end of the 2022 season to go to Alfa Romeo Sauber ready for an Audi complete their takeover. And that meant that they introduced Andreas Stella into his role. Stella has been with the team since 2015. He was the head of race operations, became the performance director and then the racing director before finally becoming team principal. So he's had a pretty solid history with the team, I would say, knows how they work, knows how they function. And so far from what we've seen this season, it seems to be a role that he has adjusted to very well. And he seems to get along with the team and the drivers quite well as well. So that happened at the end of last season. This year, though, around March time, the team made some massive changes again. So usually what will happen with a Formula One team is that they will have one technical director and that technical director oversees the entire technical operation. McLaren have decided to do away with that and change it for their team. What they now have is a technical executive team that will have three people in it who then report to Andrea Stella. So they have, and I do apologise if I pronounce any of these names wrong, 
Pete Padromo, who becomes a technical director of Aerodynamics. He was already working in McLaren and has 32 years of experience in Formula One. David Sanchez is now the technical director for Car Concept and Performance, and this was someone they had actually managed to poach back from Ferrari. Sanchez had been working in Maranello for 10 years, but he had previously worked with McLaren before that. Since he is now moving from a different team, though, he is the team member that won't be officially joining McLaren until January 2024, when he finishes his gardening leave. And then we have the technical director for engineering and design, and that is Neil Holdy, who has been at the team since 2006. Pete Thine will be moving into the role of chief operating officer for the McLaren F1 team, where he'll be supporting Andrea Stella in areas such as innovation. So there was a lot of shifting around going on at McLaren at the beginning of the season. Most of it, though, is internal, so at least there isn't going to be a settling down period since they'll already know how the team functions and also, and I think most importantly, have a really good idea on what things need to be improved straight off the bat. The hope with the massive reshuffle and restructuring of their team is that there is a stronger basis and more of a chance for innovation as McLaren try to achieve their championships again. I'm kind of surprised though that they've opted to do this all in one go. Like I said, this was a big, big reshuffle of their team and of the structure of their staffing, but there might have been a lot of things happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. And like I mentioned, this isn't something that I think we'll really see the effect of until 2025-ish, to be honest. A lot like the change in facilities. So people who are in new roles, who are moving higher up, will still have a bit of time to settle down and find their feet. Now, the focus for McLaren, like a lot of the F1 teams at this point in the season, has shifted on to the 2024 car. And yep, like I said earlier on, they have a really solid basis to work from with this car. But according to Andrea Stadler, there are still a couple of upgrades that they will be bringing to the last few rounds of the season. So we'll see how they do in those last races. Realistically, do I think they're going to get any higher than fifth in the championship for the constructors? Honestly, no. I don't even think it's mathematically possible for them right now, but I'm not actually sure about that part so I'd have to get back to you but the points deficit between them and Aston Martin is so big I think it would take something quite massive for them to be able to make it up and it was really just that awful season start that kicked them in the teeth here to be honest with you but what could they really do about that as soon as they realized that the car was not going to work for the season that they weren't even going to be remotely competitive to be consistently in the points they went back to the MTC, they started redesigning and they bolted on upgrades that have really worked for the car as soon as they physically could. And that's all a team can do when you're in that position. I've got to be honest though, I don't really think they're too bothered about that right now, about not getting higher than fifth. What I think McLaren are more focused on is making sure that they iron out as many problems as they can and optimize this car ready for 2024 so that they can fight at the front, so that they can try and catch up with Red Bull. That being said, though, I genuinely do think they're going to manage to continue challenging and fighting for podiums and potentially pole positions. Namely, though, I just don't think there'll be a team that try and fade into the background for the rest of the season just because they can't fight for higher than fifth in the Constructors. 
they are going to want to learn as much as they can from this car. And there's still the driver standings that both Lando and Oscar are going to want to do well in and climb up as high as they possibly can. McLaren, I think overall, are just going to be a team that we're really going to have to keep an eye on in the coming years. 2024 and especially 2025, I think are going to be really key years for McLaren to prove that they can start fighting at the front and get to that stage where they can fight for championships. The danger for them, though, is the sort of thing that we've seen happen with Aston Martin recently where it looked like it was a competitive car and then a set of upgrades can take them in the completely wrong direction and actually slow them down. To be honest though, that could really happen with any team on the grid. And it's also just seeing what the rate of development is like for the other teams surrounding them now, especially over winter break. Aston Martin are ironing out problems, Mercedes are trying to become more competitive again, same with Ferrari. And there are teams further back that are fighting as hard as they can to try and make their way further up the field. So there are some aspects to this that McLaren just can't control. They can't tell what other teams are going to do. But I think the attitude that Andrea Stella had in Spa when they had a not great race after a couple of good ones, where he said, look, we need to go back and figure out why this car wasn't working. We can't have races like this again. We need to optimise the package. And that's the sort of attitude McLaren are having right now that they really do need to fight at the front. But yeah, 2024, 2025 especially, I'm going to be so excited to see what McLaren and Lando and Oscar are able to do and if they really can start fighting for championships. Overall, what you do want to see is the field closing up. You want to see jumps like this from teams that were struggling and sort of lower down in the constructor standings, pushing their way up to the front of the field. I hope we get to see this up and down the field. It was the whole point in these regulations. It's the whole point that we've had things like the cost cap come into play and all the wind tunnel testing time change was to try and make sure that we're not having these massive, massive gaps in teams and that it closes up a little bit more and it's a little bit more competitive up and down the field. That is something we will have to wait and see though. But for now, I can just say congratulations to McLaren F1 team. The jump that they made mid-season has been phenomenal, something that everyone at the MTC should be so, so proud of. They've already got twice as many podiums as they did last year, and I don't think it's the last time we're going to see Lando on a podium. And I definitely think Oscar is well within the chance of getting his first podium in his rookie year, and I really, really hope we get to see it. Formula One is back this weekend and we are heading to my absolute favorite race of the season as we head out to Singapore for the Singapore Grand Prix. It is the most brutal track that Formula One drivers head to. The training for it is absolutely insane but it creates some of the most beautiful visions in Formula One for the entire season. Can't wait to see the cars under the lights. Cannot wait to see what helmets everyone is bringing to this one. I am so excited. So join me next Tuesday at 9am where I give you a full run through of what happened over the Singapore race weekend. Thank you guys so much and Diolchen Barrett for listening. Make sure you follow me on TikTok and on Instagram at stewards underscore office for more F1 content. And I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the stewards office.